0: Hi, and welcome to the Hormonal Mama podcast. I am your host, Cara Drescher. Today on the show, I am talking with Casey McCaffrey. Casey is a speech therapist with Nemours Children's Health Network, and she is a certified lactation counselor. Today, we're talking all about how Casey can help you regardless of whether you're breastfeeding, pumping, or formula feeding. So this is an awesome episode. Sit back and listen up. So, hi, Casey. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you today. Hey, Kara. Thanks for having me. Oh, it is my pleasure. I am so excited to hear all about you and this amazing title of certified lactation counselor. I wanted to ask you a whole bunch of questions. So, I think a good place to start in understanding you and what you do is understanding how you got started. Well, actually, you know what? Let me back up. Let's find out first what exactly a certified lactation counselor is. I think a lot of people might not understand exactly what that means.
1: Sure. Um, So a certified lactation counselor is a healthcare team member who can provide knowledge and counseling um, and education about optimal and suboptimal breastfeeding. Um, so, what we do is we provide a lot of education, we provide counseling, and we provide clinical management of the breastfeeding dyad and we can be speech therapists, we can be nurses, we can be dietitians. so usually you have a background in health sciences um, and then you add this certification on so.
0: That kind of brings me to a question, you know, in hearing you say all these different um, careers careers that you can have with this additional really, really great training that, I I mean, I think it probably answers the question itself, but I want to kind of hear what your thoughts are on what the difference is between a certified lactation counselor and an IBCLC, or in other words, I believe it's Internationally Board Certified
1: Lactation Consultant. Yes. So there is a difference. There are more similarities and differences, but um, they are a different way to get lactation accreditation. So the certified lactation um, counselor, Mm -hmm. the CLC title is um, you have to successfully complete a 45-hour course. At minimum. And you're required to demonstrate and pass competencies in lactation care. So you have to take a practical exam and a multiple choice exam and then get those um, tests and competencies verified before you can practice. Um, and then we need 18 hours of continuing mm-hmm. education every three years versus an IBCLC, They must um, take 90 hours of approved breastfeeding education and they have to complete 300 to 1,000 hours of mm-hmm. clinical practice prior to taking their exam. Um, the pathway to becoming an IBCLC varies. Um, it's a really lengthy process, um, and there are different um, pathways you can go to get your IBCLC. Um, they have to get a recertification, I believe, every mm-hmm. five years, and they have to pass their examination again every 10 years. Oh, wow.
0: Um, I didn't
1: know that. So the IBCLC. Yeah, IBCLC is um, a lot more time and hands-on management where the CLC is more concise um, and um, really practitioners with either the CLC or the IBCLC certifications become more advanced with um, their skills and their practice um, Mm -hmm. as they continue to practice and as they get hands-on experience. But those are a little bit about the differences between the two.
0: I think that's really helpful to understand. I mean, I know I, for a really long time, I didn't know that these were two different um, trainings. And actually, before you just explained all of that to me, I didn't know at all what the differences were. So that's really interesting to hear how similar they are. But it it seems like in practice, while you have such similar training, they are kind of like different ways that you can approach that. I really love what you said a few minutes ago, how a CLC can be a nurse or a nurse practitioner or can be a speech therapist and can be this, can be that, can be all these different things with this really beneficial add-on, if you will, that really extends your abilities to help women. I love that. I think that's really, really, really cool. Um, So I'm really curious how you got started as a certified lactation counselor, kind of like what drew you to working in this, um, industry? What, what, what
1: sparked that interest in you? So, um, by trade, I'm a speech language pathologist and I work in pediatrics. So I work with children from birth to about 18, sometimes up to 21, depending upon their needs. And I, um, help them with speech language, but also feeding is a big passion of mine. So I I spend a lot of my clinical practice um, assisting families with feeding therapy. And what I was finding was that I was having a lot of babies come in or NICU graduates come in and they were maybe bottle fed first. And, um, I was just running into a lot of moms um, and families that really were interested in breastfeeding and wanted to breastfeed and needed some assistance. And bottle feeding and breastfeeding are are very different. And um, so as a feeding therapist, I felt really comfortable with bottle feeding, but breastfeeding um, at the time, you know, when I first started, I wasn't a mom. I had never breastfed. I didn't, in In our country, we don't see a lot of breastfeeding out in public. So it wasn't anything that I had been super familiar with until I got into my clinical rotations and I was working at the hospital. And I thought, wow, this is an area that I don't know enough about. And I really want to be able to help these patients and families. Um, and then, uh, so I also, at the time I was thinking about, um, becoming a CLC or looking into the coursework to to be a CLC, I was pregnant with my first child and um, I had her. And then Mm -hmm. I started breastfeeding her and I was like, oh, I've got this. I've got this. I'm a feeding therapist. I can do this. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was really a lesson in grace and humility and that it was, it (laughs) was difficult for me at first and um, really thinking, oh, wow, this is something you really need to re-examine. This was harder than you thought you were. it was going to be for you. And I thought, well, if I have all this experience and I help babies and children eat all the time, but I'm personally struggling with this, I, I need to do some more investigative work. I need to dig a little bit more here. Um, and so that started my process on, on how to become a CLC and, and get that underway.
0: That's really cool. I mean, I always love hearing, because I find it so very common, um, especially with women, that we follow these interesting career paths based on our own personal experiences. And a lot of the time, I find that women start off with a particular interest, and then it branches off into something else that quite often complements what they have already been doing. And it sounds like that's kind of the case with you. And I really, I think that's really neat to hear that. Um, I want to ask, I mean, it it sounds like you kind of answered some of this, but I want to hear a little bit more. What, not what, but why are you passionate about the work that you do? Like what, what makes it,
1: passionate for you? Oh my goodness. That is such a loaded question in such a great way. Um, (laughs) I really love, I know what you mean. (laughs) Um, I love what I do. I love that as a speech pathologist, I have so many avenues that I can help families and help children. And um, I love that I'm able to help um, families who maybe their kids are struggling with language and they don't get to say their first word and teaching them how to get there and seeing the families light up and seeing the kids light up when they get to communicate their wants and needs. Like that just fuels me in the same way that it fuels me that um, a family is really struggling. Maybe their their son or daughter came home and they were on a, a feeding tube and They needed help to be able to maintain their nutrition by mouth. And through therapy with me, we can wean them off of the tube and we can get them to be optimal um, oral feeders. And the stress that that takes away from the family is amazing. It is amazing to see. And it's really amazing to build up um, a mom or a dad's confidence in that they know how to help their child. Um, it's, it's so rewarding to be able to see a family come together and be relieved and feel like they have the ability to help their child in whatever domain I happen to be working on.
0: I love hearing that. I, I mean, because you can hear it in your voice, the way that you're talking about it and the way that you're explaining it, that it is so important to you because you get that wonderful feeling of. I helped these people. And, you know, as a mom myself who went through some difficulties with feeding, with breastfeeding, with speech, it's really, really nice to hear how important it is to you and and the passion that you feel behind it. I think that is just amazing. So I love hearing that.
1: Uh, Can I side note off of that? Um, Another thing that I was thinking about too, especially when we were talking about that CLC, right? The Certified Lactation Counselor. Um, I think one of the the best things that um, I find the most rewarding is when maybe a baby and a mom... um, were struggling right they were struggling with breastfeeding or they were told you know your son your daughter has um you know low tone or they have a tongue tie or they have this um genetic disorder and they're not going to be able to do this and i love being able to prove that wrong right like When a a mom is just so passionate about, I really want to be able to do this, and maybe it's not in the exact way they thought. Maybe they can't breastfeed all of the time for whatever reason, but they get to breastfeed partially. I love being able to prove that wrong and prove that diagnosis wrong and say, you know, these kids are so capable of so many different things. And so are we. Um, and that doesn't always, that doesn't always happen. Right. You know um, yeah. with every case, because every case is different, but those cases that we get to see that is amazing. Right. I,
0: I don't want to interrupt you. I just want to interject a personal thought here because hearing you say that it's like you, you read my mind. Because again, as a mom who struggled with breastfeeding, I was basically told in the beginning, All right, well, you're really not having much success here, so it might be time to move on. And I was like, I am not moving on because I'm going to figure this out. And I didn't have the support in the way that you're talking about. I didn't have you, essentially, with that desire to really prove that wrong, to prove those other people wrong, to say, we're going to make this work because this is something you want to do and we can make it work. Here are the things standing in the way. Here's how we can fix that essentially is kind of what I'm hearing from you. And I think that is so wonderful for women to hear that you can help with that. I can prove that this is something we can make work for you. And that is such something that's very important. I think for women to understand because there's so much that happens as a new mother, involving everything, that there's so much doubt that comes along with it. And I think it's just a wonderful thing to hear you saying, proving this is no, we're going to do this, I'm going to work with you. And I'm going to show you that it can happen. And I just I just wanted to add that in as a little personal note that hearing that is just so touching to me as some as you know, in an alternate universe as a client of you. Well kind of in an alternate universe. But if I was a client and had that experience with you, it could be life changing. So I think that's a beautiful thing to hear. I really do. And it actually brings me to another question, because I feel like there might be some overlap here. I'm curious what you would say is the most common myth about lactation. I feel like that question really kind of ties in with what you're talking about right now. Oh my goodness.
1: I think the most common myth with lactation is that it's easy or that it's intuitive. I feel like in the United States, particularly, we don't promote public breastfeeding in the way that is is promoted across the globe um, mm-hmm. we don't often see mothers breastfeeding in public or a lot of times um, they might be covered up or um, they have a um a cover or maybe they're asked to go somewhere else to breastfeed in public and I know this is something um, that the community has been working on so much as a whole but mm-hmm. because we don't see that um happening a lot. And again, those those trends are changing in this country, right? This is actively changing, which I think is amazing. Um as moms, we aren't necessarily always exposed to breastfeeding and what it looks like and how to do that. Um you know, I grew up in a single child single parent household. So I never saw another baby. I never saw my mom breastfeed. I never I was never exposed to that. Um and you know, you hear about all the benefits that breast milk has, right? And all the benefits that breastfeeding has for not only the baby, but for also the mother. And, you know, we we have the baby and we're either in a birthing center or at home or in a hospital. And then they're like, okay, you're going to breastfeed. But in reality, if you've never seen that, you don't know what it looks like. You're not necessarily sure what to expect or how to do this right. Or, you know, you see an image or something on um, TV or in a movie and you're like, oh, I've got this. And then when you have this little crying infant there, you're like, wait, what? what, what do I do? How do I do this? And there's no instruction manual, right? We know that, um, We know that there are so many benefits to breastfeeding and um, there's such great literature out there, but there is no necessarily how-to guide when you're in the hospital with your newborn. There's
0: not. There should be. (laughs) (laughs) But even if there was, it would be different for everyone. But I completely agree with you. It's really interesting to hear you say that. I'm curious because I, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, kind of like, I guess in a way, like figuring it out as you go. And so I want to ask you what advice you would give to moms who are feeling overwhelmed with breastfeeding and they just don't know where to turn for guidance. What what advice would you give to them?
1: Oh, please find a CLC or an IBCLC to assist you. Um, especially in our area, we have a vast array of places and resources to go. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the hospitals in our area have lactation professionals on staff. So my first recommendation is even if you think breastfeeding is going well, if you happen to have a birth and you birth in a hospital, ask for an IBCLC or a CLC to come see you in the hospital. Um, get get off to the right foot. Um, and. If you think everything is going well and the and the lactation professional at the hospital says everything is going well and then you get home, right? That's a different reality. You don't have nurses coming in and checking on you. Um, you're, you, you know, maybe you have other children or maybe you have pets or, you know, families coming in and out and it's not going the way that you thought or it's painful or you're really struggling or you're worried about weight gain, right? Um, mm-hmm. There are other Avenue. So you don't just have to see a lactational profession, um, a lactation professional in the hospital. Um, there, that's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. But you can find um, local la leche leagues. Um, there's in our area. I know there's the breastfeeding resource center, and that services Bucks there. County, Montgomery County, Philadelphia County. Um, Pennsylvania hospital has a breastfeeding support group. Um, there are solutions for women, which I believe is associated with Pennsylvania hospital. Um, and they're in Philadelphia there's life cycle women's care in Bryn Mawr, Rosemont, Phoenixville. Um, there, if you Google breastfeeding support, um, especially in our area, you will find a plethora of, of resources and, and go for it. Um, don't struggle. You shouldn't have to struggle alone. Um, and, and there are resources out there to help you. Um, nursing should not be painful. It shouldn't be a struggle um, we are there to help you and kind of figure out if you are struggling, why, what, what's happening there. Um, and can we help you? Can we help the baby? Are there some barriers that maybe are in the way that we can help work around? Right. Um, so get the help. Um, you don't have to do this alone and you don't have to give up if this is really what you want to do.
0: I think that's such great advice. I mean, it, it's it, it seems so simple, but when you're in it, it's so hard to ask for help because we're so convinced that it's totally natural and intuitive. You use that word so perfectly. And in so many cases, it's not, and you do need that extra assistance. And there's no shame in that. I I think that's just excellent,
1: wonderful advice. And to caveat on that for mothers who are not interested in breastfeeding, right. Mm -hmm. Um, the same goes for, for you. Ask for help beyond feeding, beyond nursing. I think we do a suboptimal job in this country supporting new mothers, no matter how they choose to feed. Agreed. Um, and so I know I'm particularly talking about lactation here, mm-hmm. um, but I want all of the mom's parents out there to know who choose not to breastfeed. Um that that is their choice. My job as a certified lactation counselor is to give you information about it. Um, if that's not what you're comfortable with, you're not interested in it. That's okay. But get support for what you need. Um, adjusting to new parenthood, it's it's not easy, and um, it really does take a village. And and we're all you know going through it together, and and. I just want new parents feel less isolated in that. I think that's so important. It really is. And and I think it's important.
0: I mean, I, I think this next question that I have for you is important for mothers to hear. And that is, how has your own experience as a mother influenced your work as a CLC? I ask that because we're talking so much about new motherhood and there was a time when you were a new mother and I'm just I'm curious here how that experience may have influenced your work? as a CLC or your interests. Well, I guess we talked about that a little bit, but I'm just a little, I'm I'm curious. I I really want to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Sure. Um, I mean, with my, when I had my first daughter, I knew I wanted to breastfeed. I knew that was something that, um, was a goal of mine. And, um, I remember having her in the hospital and, um, she was having trouble latching and, um, I was having pain and, um, I had asked to see, um, a lactation, professional multiple times throughout my hospital saying it didn't happen right away and everyone kept telling me like my nurses on staff kept telling me you're doing great everything looks good everything looks good and I kind of had this feeling in my gut that something wasn't sitting right and that I was having a harder time than I thought I should be having um and it turned out I was right you know I was I was having some difficulty with position difficulty with latching um and they came and they saw me in the hospital and then I kind of went on my way and being new to this, um, I don't think I fed my my oldest daughter um, or nursed her as much as I should have. And I ended up having some supply issues. And um, ultimately, we were able to successfully breastfeed for a year. And that was really important for me. Um, that was a goal that I had. But it wasn't always as easy or intuitive as I thought. And I thought, man, I'm, you know, here i am a specialist and i do feeding therapy all the time and here i am struggling and this is an area that i really need to build up um some more knowledge and and that kind of helped and then um you know i um just recently had my my second child she's goodness 7 months now oh and i i was actually taking my my clc coursework while i was pregnant and right after i had her oh wow um and yeah, and so it was really interesting. Um, just being able to have that support helped me seek knowledge, helped me follow up with a, um, a lactation specialist right after her birth and really pursue things mm-hmm. um and and follow my intuition and gut it really just kind of um made me a better advocate for my child mm-hmm. and um ultimately we found out that um she had had some medical difficulties and um she's doing great but we realized she had um allergic colitis oh. and so I had to start cutting foods out of my diet to be able to successfully nurse her and um, I think A lot of times, um, you know, lactation specialists sometimes get a bad rap for they really want to promote breastfeeding and and, um, formula feeding is terrible and, and breastfeeding is best and that's really the opposite take of what I got after taking, um, my coursework. It was really, um, it taught me, especially being a a mom and a mom of two, um, that had very different journeys Mm -hmm. was that, um, we have to be flexible and we have to meet people where they are. And we have to understand what's, what's happening in each individual situation. Um, and in my case, um, I ended up um breastfeeding her for a long time and she was still having so many GI d- difficulties that I ended up transitioning her to formula because she medically needed that mm-hmm. um and so here I was a new mom just had my my finished my CLC exam and I felt like a total failure right mm-hmm. this is my area of passion this is what I want to do and I I still ended up transitioning to formula because she needed it for medical management and um I think understanding that people come to a situation with um, different lived experiences Mm -hmm. and being able to support them where they are and really um, being able to, how do I want to say this, uh, look at things through a different lens and be understanding of everybody. That's what this coursework taught me, as well as being a new mom. Right. So motherhood impacted my CLC journey and my CLC journey impacted my my journey as a mother. And um, I think that's what we all take away in life. Right. Every experience leads us to somewhere new um, and maybe something we weren't expecting and and learning from those different journeys and and growing from them. I totally agree.
0: I think you just said that so beautifully. I mean, I really I I really like what you said about how, you know, both journeys impacted each other, you know, training to be a CLC impacted your new motherhood journey and your new motherhood journey impacted your training to be a CLC. I think that is so amazing is really the only word I can think of because it's just so great how much of your life impacts other parts of your life, especially when you sit down and think about it and you think, wow, that's amazing. So I would like to ask you, because I think this is a really important question, Oh, I have two questions. The first one I would say is, what advice would you give to someone
1: who's interested in becoming a CLC? Oh my gosh, do it. Do it. Don't even second guess it, do it. Um, <laughs> I really think it's amazing work. Um, if you're passionate about breastfeeding, follow your intuition, follow your gut. Um, learning knowledge is amazing and gaining new knowledge is, is great. It's a journey. So if this is something you're interested in or even you're just curious about, go for it. Um, I did my CLC training with the uh, Healthy Children Project, um, and that was a 52-hour course. Um, It's college-level coursework. It's accredited by the Academy of Lactation Policy and Practice. And, um, you know, we are in the midst of a global pandemic. I was supposed to do this course in person um, right when everything kind of shut down in March, and um, they transitioned and um, are now offering the coursework online Um, and so that allowed me to do this as I was working um, and um, you know taking care of my family and I I got to do it bit by bit Um, and it it was really really great Sometimes I wish I'd still gotten to do the the in person training, just because I like to be around people and be social. But um, it's a pandemic, and we all Get have that. to adjust, right? <laughs> like, uh, life threw us a cur- yes, that's for sure. <laughs> life threw us a curveball, and so I would say, go for it. If you have any inkling that you want to do it, just just don't guess it. Go for it.
0: I think that's great advice. Something that you just said reminded me of something I wanted to ask you um, about the pandemic and how. How I mean I, I'm i hearing how the I can't speak. <laughs> I mean I hear the words are not coming to me as quickly as I'd like, or they're coming to me too quickly. Um, Basically, my question is: How has the pandemic impacted your work? You know, you were just talking about how how it impacted your training, which I think is super interesting. But I'm curious how it's impacted your work. Um, Kind of like a, a little bit, you know, to to sort of piggyback on that part a little bit more. Sure.
1: Um... It, it has impacted the work It really taught me as a professional how to be more resilient, how to be flexible, um, how to to change and and go with the flow um, when things aren't necessarily going the way that we want it to. Um, it offered me as a professional um, more understanding to separate or to understand you know that maybe my families and I are, are coming to something, you know, coming to therapy with two separate realities and leveraging that and that it's okay. Um, so what I mean by that is, you know, maybe I have a family that knows that they need feeding therapy, um, or some lactation help, but they are at home. They are working full time. Their kids are doing virtual school and, um, they, they get to therapy, but maybe they don't do some of the home practice, or they don't get to therapy as often as they would like, because things are just happening um, mm-hmm. that are out of everyone's control. And I think before, I would have been um, frustrated as a professional that, hey, you know, this is really important. Um, but I think what this pandemic has really taught me is that hey, understanding and kindness and compassion are really important right now. And we're all being asked to do the impossible. um, And we just need to support one another and and meet people where they are. Um, So I think that has been some personal growth for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And then in terms of professional development, um, I am now um, very active in telehealth and being able to, to kind of switch modalities and, and, and go there. So I'm able to do in-person therapy. Um, I have to be masked and, um, I wear a face shield and gown and gloves. So it, it's a little mm-hmm. bit more sterile than, um, than, you know, I would like. Um, yeah. but you know, we're, we're doing the best we can to protect our, our patients and ourselves. Um, And, you know, now I have learned um, how to provide therapy virtually and and be able to offer that to families as well. So it's definitely um, impacted work in a multitude of ways.
0: Yeah, it sure sounds like it. It, it's, It's just as a side note, this pandemic is so interesting how, different professions I mean personally I think we all kind of can relate in the same way professionally I think it's really interesting to hear different people's experiences on how it's impacted their work whether it's physically impacted their work or you know like you were just talking about how like sterile the environment is now and and other ways as well and I just it's such a bizarre collective experience that we're all going through right now so this all brings me to some more fun questions that I have for you. Um, I, I think it's super fun to get to know people and ask these somewhat out-of-the-box questions. So I I want to start with two questions that are very similar but are a little bit different. And so I'm going to give you both and then you can tell me which one you will answer first or if it's kind of the same answer. And so the first one is, who are three people who have had the most influence on you? And then the second question kind of takes it in a different direction. And if you could have dinner, lunch, snacks, drinks, conversation, you know, whatever floats your boat there with three people, dead or alive, related to you or not, fictional or real, anyone who would they be and why? And I know sometimes I ask those questions and sometimes those three people are the same three people. Sometimes they're not the same three people. And for me, just as a person, not even as a podcaster or anything, this is something I like to ask people when I get to know them, because I think it's interesting to kind of think introspectively and think about yourself and, and, And get to know yourself a little bit more in asking these two questions. So I'm going to pose those two questions to you. And like I said, if they're the same three people, awesome.
1: If they're not, awesome as well. So the floor is yours. Thank you. Um, so I guess I'll start with the three people who have had the most influence um, on me personally. Um, and these are immediate family members. So I'm going to go with my mom first and foremost. So just a little bit of background on me. Um, I'm an only child and I grew up, um, with a single mother. Um, my father passed away when I was about 18 months old and, um, she really taught me what strength and resilience and compassion looks like. And I can't thank her enough or be more grateful that she is my mom. Um, I can't imagine now being a mom, right? I look at my two little girls and I think, oh, man, if I had to do this alone, that would be so, so hard. And she was a nurse and she was hardworking. So she worked 12-hour shifts and she worked two jobs to give us everything that we needed. and. um she still managed to have fun and, and keep things lighthearted. And um, I just, I so appreciate that. And um, it's amazing. You know, I just, she's taught me more things than, than I could probably verbalize to you right now, but, um, she is definitely one of the most influential people. Um, on the same note, um, right. We've talked about that. It takes a village. And so my mom was working a lot and doing a lot of things to, to help provide for me. So I ended up spending a lot of time with my grandparents and my grandfather in particular, um, really had a huge influence on who I am. And he, um, he's really uh an interesting guy. So he um was a retired um US colonel. So he was very um driven and, and type A and um authoritative with his six children and then i came along much oh, later right. and um he softened and so um you know i have a very different experience um as his granddaughter than i think my aunts and uncles and my mother did with him as their father but he taught me um that hard work is appreciated and you have to strive and um and strive for what you want and not give up on your goals and that knowledge is power and um, i just I think he really instilled my, my love of reading, my love of academics, um, and I, I really thank him for that. And then um, I think the third people is kind of a combination. Um, they are my two daughters. I, I can't separate one from the other. Um, they really, <laughs> <laughs> they have taught me grace and compassion and understanding better than anybody has been able to, um, I pride myself as on, um, being a really diligent, hard worker and, um, researching a lot and, and, um, and not backing down from a challenge. And I think sometimes with that, with those personality traits, um, you, you get a little stubborn, maybe, maybe you (laughs) want to say that. Um, (laughs) and, um, you know, sometimes you just get really caught on how you wanted to do things. And these little people, they come in and they throw your plans off. And they teach you how to be flexible. And they teach you um, that what you planned wasn't going to happen, or it's not happening in the way that you thought. And that's okay. So um, they've really taught me a sense of understanding um, that I don't think I would have learned without them. That's so awesome. And
0: I like I, I, I totally just as a side note, totally get what you're saying. Like you can't separate them. I feel the same way with my kids. They're they're different people, but in, in the in the way we're talking about them right now, I, I totally get it. I totally do. And it's amazing how much our children can influence us. If I had heard you say this a couple of years ago before I had kids, I'd be like, Okay. But now as a mom, I one hundred percent understand that. And it's mind boggling to me. <laughs> <laughs> but amazing at the same time.
1: Yeah, it's amazing how two two little people can be so different and teach you something so similar, yes! right? And and they need different things at different times and it really forces you to expand and grow. Um because you have to. Yeah. And um and so I'm really grateful to them. That's awesome.
0: I love hearing that. So let's let's flip that
1: question to the other side, the
0: three people that you would I guess we'll just say gather with, you know, some people drinks and people don't some people like conversations Some people want to have lunch you know that's <laughs> why I word all those things because we're all very different but I, I I think this is another really interesting question and I, I just feel like people get to know themselves better when they're asked this question I know I've been asked this question I've asked myself this question over the years and it's interesting because it sometimes it changes so I'm just curious
1: Yes, so my three people are different than my three people who have influenced me. Um <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and um I think the first person that I would really like to meet with or gather with or have dinner with or have drinks with um would be my dad. So I don't remember um much of him. I was 18 months old when he passed away. And um what I find really interesting, right? Is um, nature versus nurture. And so I know that I'm like my mom in a lot of ways. Um, but I remember growing up, there were certain things I would do or certain things I would say, and my mom would just kind of stop and look at me. And as I got older, I, I, you know, you know, especially as a teenager, what, what are you looking at? Like, what is that about? Right. And um, <laughs> right. probably not the nicest way. And she would <laughs> of course, stop not teenagers. me. <laughs> And she would stop me and say, your, your dad used to say the same thing. Or your dad would um, would look at me that same way. Or, you know, I see your father in you or um, that, you know, something to that effect. And so I would really like to have a conversation with him and and just get to know him and see what our similarities and differences are. Um so that would be a really poignant meaningful conversation I wish um, I could have. Yeah. Um the other two are a little bit more lighthearted I would say. Um I am <laughs> such a book nerd. <laughs> and the Harry Potter series are my ultimate favorite. I mean, I grew up reading them. I remember waiting in line for the in the at the bookstores when the newest um, book would come out. And mm-hmm. if I could talk to one of the characters, it would totally be Hermione Granger. Yeah, um, I get that. I would love. Oh, man. I would just love her perspective on what actually happened. You know, there's so much focus on Harry and Ron and, you know, her as well. But she was this really smart, strong female character. And I would love to be know really internally what she thought about some of the things that happened in the book as they were happening right um i would love to hear her internal dialogue
0: i love that i think that is amazing and that's why i always ask fictional or real they don't have to be a real person because fictional characters can be so much deeper than real people so that's super cool i think that's awesome
1: Yes. I'm a total Harry Potter nerd till this day. I I admit (laughs) it. I love it. J.K. Rowling, you're amazing. Thank you for writing these books. Right. (laughs) Um, And then my third person, um, I would really like to be able to meet, gather, lunch, drink with Michelle Obama. I think she is just so fabulous.
0: Right. Oh, she's my hero. uh,
1: I just finished listening to her podcast and... I I think she talks a lot about kind of some of the things I mentioned previously that, you know, maybe um, we don't support young mothers or new mothers in the way that we should in this country. And um, Mm -hmm. you know, there isn't a big enough focus on mental health. And um, she is a really strong advocate for all of those things and knowing yourself and believing in yourself and um, coming to the table with different experiences and different, not meaning less than, and Mm -hmm. how our differences can really um, connect us more more than they can isolate us. And I just would love to to meet with her. I, you know, I'd probably love to spend like a weekend with her. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> You're not alone again. I'm telling you,
1: she's amazing. So, yeah, she's one of my my real life um, role models, and just somebody that I w- I would love to, to spend some time with and have the honor and privilege of meeting. Ugh, I think I mean obviously this
0: is such a a, a a subjective question, but man, I mean what an amazing answer! She's just again as a side note, I'm with you there. She is one of the most amazing human beings that I feel like I've ever had the privilege of just seeing in the world. You know, if if I ever have the opportunity to meet her, I'll probably faint and and curl up in a ball and not know what to do because she is just that amazing to me. So I just think that is such an awesome answer. And I think that's super cool. So I only have two more cool. questions for you. And these also are, are you know, fun. Um, what do you enjoy doing when you're not working? What what What's kind of in your free time, which I know none of us really have much free time, but... When you do have that free time and you're not working, what, what do you enjoy?
1: Oh man. I love spending time with my family. Um, I love spending time with my mom and my stepdad who is amazing. Um, my girls, my husband, my, um, my sister-in-law, my in-laws, um, my uncles, aunts, cousins. I love being with my family. They are my core. Um, and, um, I love just Being around them, I think each of them teaches me something different and, um, they're fun and, you know, I just feel myself there. So I love, I love spending time with my family. Um, I love cooking. My stepfather is a chef and he, um, has taught me, um, how to cook. My grandmother was a great cook. And so being in the kitchen kind of goes hand in hand with being in my family, um, being with my family, I should say, is we spend a lot of time in the kitchen, and um, I love, I love doing that. It's really therapeutic. I love, I love cooking. Baking is not my strongest suit. <laughs> um, I, I, I like cooking because I can add a little of this or add a little bit of that or improvise. Um, baking is an exact science that I haven't always mastered. <laughs> so I uh, definitely say cooking versus baking. Yeah. Um. That being said, I baking is hard. Baking is so hard. I can make the same recipe three times and it would come out three different ways. And, um, so I, I really applaud those bakers. I mean, you got it, go for it. That is so not my strong suit. So I appreciate that. Yes. Um, and that being said, I'm a foodie, so I miss going out to dinner. I miss going out to bars and restaurants and getting to go different places. Um, but one of the things that I still can do, um, in the pandemic, um, and that I love, and it is really such an integral part of who I am, I think as a person is going to the beach. Mm.
0: So, um,
1: my, I grew up in ocean city, New Jersey. Okay. And that was really my safe haven. So if I needed to de-stress, I would go to the beach. If I wanted to have fun, I would go to the beach. Um, and that's one of the things, luckily enough, um, I can still do. Mm -hmm. um and so that's been really therapeutic throughout all of this I think that's
0: so cool and I love Ocean City New Jersey we used to go to Ventnor when I was a kid oh yeah which for anyone listening is in New Jersey and that you know for us it was like we'd go for a week and it was like the end of the week let's go to Ocean City and it was like this Big, you know, going on all the rides on the boardwalk and all that fun stuff. And it's funny because we did that and up until I was probably about 10 or 11. And then we started going to the Delaware beaches and we went to Ocean City, Maryland, which is a completely different place. Oh, yeah. But what's funny to me is from the time that I was 11 until I was, I want to say I was 37. 36 37 something like that new delaware was our beach but the fondest memories are new jersey even though those were fun out from when i was little i just have these amazing memories of ocean city new jersey and getting so excited to get in the car at the end of the week knowing this is our big last night at the beach and we're going to ocean city oh man watch out. It's going to be the best time ever. And it always was.
1: Yeah. I mean, so I, that's just a little personal note there. I love I that. It. I love that. It is really such a family oriented place. And um I have to say, I love yes. all of the beach points. I mean, I would take a beach anywhere. I would take a beach in Florida and I would take a New Jersey <laughs> beach and I would take a Delaware beach. So I, you know, I don't, I, I don't <laughs> discriminate. I love, I love them all. Um But I especially love yeah. like so many of the Jersey shore points. So, um, you know, i when I was growing up, I grew up on the island. I grew up um, in Ocean City, New Jersey. And then when I was in middle school, I moved across the bridge to um, Summers Point, which is the bay town that you have to go through to get to Ocean City, depending upon which bridge mm-hmm. you, you go over. Um, so then I ended up spending a lot of time in my middle school, high school years over in Longport, uh, Longport and Margate and Ventnor. Um And then, you know, I met my husband in college. And um, his family gravitated towards Sea Isle um, and Stone Harbor. So I really love all the New Jersey shore points. They are all fabulous. There's so much. Yeah, and each one offers something different. So um, I love them all. And um, if you have time go check out the Jersey Shore guys. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> For sure.
0: Casey is not lying. Listen to her. <laughs> I I mean, I, I it's just so funny to hear you say that. Because like I said, I mean, there's so much when it comes to New Jersey beaches. I mean, I know this is so off topic, but it's so true. They're, they're like you just said, they all offer something totally different. It's a completely different experience along all of those beaches. And they're all awesome in different ways. I have just It's very uh, heartwarming to me to think about, you know, all the time I spent there when I was a kid and hearing you talk about it is just making me smile, so you know, I think that's awesome. Yeah. I have one last question. Well, there's really two more, but sure. my last real question for you, and this is a super fun one. I always like asking people this because I kind of find the answer is either yes or no. And it is, do you have a nickname that people call you? And I know you have an interesting story there, so I would love to hear
1: it. Yes. So legally I am Catherine, um, but nobody but my grandmother really has ever called me Catherine. Um, now my husband uses it jokingly when I'm in, when I'm in a little bit of hot water. Um, but, um, so Casey is my nickname and that is really what everyone calls me. Um, so I'm legally named after my aunt, Catherine, who goes by Kathy, um, or now for her grandkids, they call her Kate, which is so interesting because she was never a Kate growing up. Um, and it's interesting. Um, so I am named after my aunt, but my dad really liked um, Casey or Cassie as a nickname. And so they kind of met in the middle and decided to go with Casey as my nickname. Um, So that's what everybody calls me. I guess another nickname, one of my best friends actually always calls me Kathy um, because of my, my full name, Catherine, but no one has ever called me Kathy. Um, It's not particularly a name I enjoy, but over the years, I mean, we've been friends (laughs) since seventh grade. It is um, it has become a loving nickname that I will, I will take from, from her, um, but probably nobody else. (laughs) and no one Um, else has that privilege (laughs) yeah exactly um and then my grandfather always growing up called me baby doll and so no one no one no one else will ever call me that um I love that uh now but so that that is um a nickname that I have from him that I actually end up using with both of my girls so it's that's a little nostalgic oh,
0: that's sweet oh I'm like yeah. I have like a tear in my eye hearing that that is just so sweet love it oh nicknames are so fun I they love are. nicknames I I just think it's it's such an interesting thing because nicknames for everybody nicknames are just so completely different and I don't know how to explain my thought process here, but, but that's why I asked because I think it's just really interesting because I know you as Casey and that's how you introduced yourself to me and you explained to me, no one calls me Catherine. That's my name, but that's not my name. And it's funny because I was, I was really curious until today okay, why is that? That doesn't sound
1: like Catherine. <laughs> and
0: I just think that's super cool.
1: Yeah, my mom really loved, I mean, she has multiple sisters, but she really loved um, my aunt Kathy, my aunt Catherine, and um and really wanted to use that. And um, I think my dad understood that and understood that it was really important to her, but really kind of wanted to go in a different direction. So they compromised.
0: I think it's a super cool compromise too. I really like that they just met in the middle and were like, all right, this is what we're going to do. And that's, that's oh, I mean, that just, to me, I think that's something very special that they had, you know, to be able to say, okay, this is important to me. This is something that I like. Let's do both. Yeah, and absolutely. it works. I love that. Yeah. So last question here. Can you tell our listeners where they can connect with you and where they can find you to learn more about you and what you do?
1: Sure. So um, they can reach me at my work email and I'll be happy to give that out. That is um, CM0078 at Nemours, N-E-M-O-U-R-S dot org. Um, But if they want to get to know me um, personally, besides professionally, they can always reach me on my personal Instagram handle, which is Casey, C-A-S-E-Y, McCaff, M C C A F F. Um, That really is a lot of um, pictures of my kids and what I do in my free time, and um, you know I occasionally post things about work there. And so um, there, you know, I'm also working on a project that hopefully I will be able to share with you in the near future on how you can reach me um, more um, with work. But um, that I'm going to keep that uh, under wraps until until we're ready to share that.
0: Well, I think that's awesome. And I'm excited to hear more about that when you're ready to share more. And I'm excited for our listeners to find you and and learn more about you because I think you're an awesome person. And I think that they would love to learn more about you, Casey.
1: Well Kara, thank you so much I really enjoyed this this was so much fun and I just really appreciate um, the time and um, platform to be able to share about um, being a certified lactation counselor and just being able to talk to you about who I am as a person and um, i hope I hope everybody who um, is listening got to um, enjoy it and and learn a little bit more about about what I do
0: I think that you had so much amazing insight today and I am so excited so thank you so, so much for taking the time out of your crazy busy schedule to talk with me today, to come on the show and tell people what, you know, give people some information that they might not have known before. So this was awesome. And I can't
1: wait to do it again. Absolutely. I'm happy to do it again. So if there are any other things you want to talk about, sign me up. I'm here. Awesome. Well, you know, I'll be in touch for sure. (laughs)
0: Wow, what an amazing conversation I had with Casey. I think the big thing I took away from this conversation is really realizing that there are so many different ways to feed your child, which I already knew. What I didn't know is that a certified lactation counselor can help you even if you're not breastfeeding. If you are formula feeding or if you're combination feeding, this is still something that they can help you with. Casey, I think, is great because she's also a speech therapist and does food therapy. So she has this extensive knowledge and training in feeding, and having this additional title of Certified Lactation Counselor is just an amazing bonus. So I hope you'll check Casey out. I hope you'll get in touch with her and get any help that you find that you may need. Stay tuned for my next episode when I'm going to be changing course, and we're going to be talking about massage therapy and some other really interesting facts surrounding your menstrual cycle and how that can affect your work. I think it'll be a great episode. You will not want to miss that one.